Welcome to Yoga for First Responders On Air, where we break down yoga, neuroscience, resilience, and public safety in a manner that's authentic, educational, and most importantly, entertaining and lighthearted. I'm YFFR's founder, Olivia Mead. As a yoga instructor and neuroscience enthusiast, I'm passionate about supporting first responders and anyone looking to improve their overall human performance. Each week, we'll dive into a new topic and often bring on expert guests to share their insights and experiences, but we'll also keep it real and share our own stories and struggles along the way. So whether you're a first responder or seeking to master the science of mental and physical resilience, this podcast is your ultimate guide to triumph over life's challenges with unbreakable strength and unwavering fortitude. By pressing play, your training has begun. Hello and welcome. You are on air. I am that bitch, founder and CEO of Yoga for First Responders. With me, I have my bitch, which is Aaron <laughs> president oh. of Yoga for First Responders, and my husband, JK. JK, you are not my bitch. We are both Woody's bitch. Is that, that's our cat? That is, that's fact. I mean, that little <laughs> asshole walks around like he owns the place. So. But he would die. He would one hundred percent die. I mean, he he did escape overnight one time, and he did not yeah. die. And I was very like shocked. He's, he's proving otherwise. But yeah, for those that don't know, Woody's a cat. He's what ten, nine, ten years old. Ten years he old. Acts like a pimp off Gangster. the streets of L.A. Yeah. Well, he was. I mean, I found him on the streets of L.A., like East L.A., basically. He walks around. He always wants to be close by, but never quite loved. I mean, we've... And don't look him square in the eyes. It's the most abusive relationship you'll ever have, because, like, he's nearby. He wants a little bit of love, and he's like, all right, fuck you. I'm out. And then, like, all of a sudden, (laughs) I'll be like, oh, but I want a little bit more. I'm out. Like, it's just... (laughs) (laughs) Life is very much on Woody's terms. So, yes, we are both Woody's bitches, so... This episode, cheers to Woody. Cheers to Woody. And also, this episode is 100% not recorded on the same day as the last episode. No. Just FYI, is... everyone. Because clearly it's not. Because look, I'm wearing sunglasses and a pink cardigan. Was I wearing that in the last episode? No. No. What more proof and do you I... need? And I only have so many clothes, so I'm wearing the same shirt that I wore in the last episode because I only have a few. But I shall remove my pink sunglasses and pink cardigan because it's really hot. It's like 90 degrees in Colorado. I went on a three-hour accidental walk today. It got really hot. A three-hour accidental walk. Oh, my God. I took my baby, our baby. Well, I decided to be like, mm, here's a new path. I'll go this way. I haven't gone this way before. And I kind of knew what direction I was going in. So I wouldn't say I was lost, you know, because I okay. like, knew where I was, even though it was a new neighborhood. And what's really strange, I've never seen this neighborhood before, is where we are, where we've lived, are living this area is a lot of new construction and the town that we're living in has a lot of new construction. So it's modern buildings, you know, new landscaping happening. And all of a sudden it's like, I went through a wormhole 
and I was in like in Florida in the 1990s. What? The architecture, yeah, I need to like share a picture. The like, let me put up a picture so you can see it. See like the, the architecture, uh, like the ranch with like the carport, flat roofs. Well, very this was like roofs. Cinder block. Wow, houses. this is like Golden Girls, basically. Look, do you see that? Oh man, yeah, that is. Does that uh, not look like Florida in the 1990s? Yeah, I mean, I can so, see where you're picking that up. Well, when I. So when I walked past that, I was like, oh, mama's not in Kansas anymore, even though I'm like probably, you know, not that far from where we're living. And I'm saying where we're living or where we're staying, and we'll get into that in a moment. But anyway, so I was like, okay, I'm going to put on my GPS. I could definitely go back the way I came from. Like I knew sure. where I'd come from, right? And, but I was but like, isn't I bet that part you of a- about life is like continuing to adventure forward? Yeah. Sure. Right. And also because it was starting to get hot, I have our nine month old with us. She's going to get hungry. I'm like, cause normally I would just kind of walk and meander and find myself back home. If it were, I was by myself, but I was like, I should find the most efficient way home. So let me go to GPS, uh, Google maps and put in walking directions home. Sure. Okay. So I found the walking directions. It was actually further than I thought it was going to be, which surprised me. But anyway, I started walking and um, I noticed that, and I double checked, it was walking directions. Okay. They kept wanting me to walk on like a fucking highway and like turn and cross the street where there was no crosswalk. I was like, dude, I know. I was like, okay, turn left on highway 86, which is like a busy road thing. And I'm like, well, I could be one of those crazy people that's walking on the grassy knolls on each side of the highway where you're like, what happened to that person that they have to walk on the side of a highway, right? <laughs> and then especially with, with a baby. baby stroller. like, And I was like, shit. So I was like, I'm going to stay on the walking path, obviously. And I knew I was going in the same direction, um, you know, that I was supposed to go, but instead of a straight shot, you know, a walking path is all over the fucking place. Right. So then, and so basically long story short, after a lot of twists and turns and misguided guidance from the GPS, I ended up, I stumbled into a burrito truck. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, well, I have to get breakfast burritos they were taking forever. Aurelia, our baby's like dying. I'm dying. So then I was like, well, I can't, am I going to be able to get home being this thirsty? So I have to stop at Starbucks. So I stopped at Starbucks and I got, I have to, and I got um, a really good peach lemonade iced tea thing. Um, got her a cold towel to put on her. And also, by the way, I say she was dying. She was fine. Okay, I just felt really bad. She's under shade, you know, of the thing. She was fine. Anyway, so then, um, so we eventually get home, but it was literally like, I think, three hours after we left. Because my normal but, walks with her are at least an hour. Right. Yeah, no, this is a, this one, I was at home and I was like, man, they are gone for a long time. And then I got that message like, I'm lost ish. Lost-ish, because let's be honest, in Colorado, the mountains, especially in the Denver area where we're at, the mountains are always 
to the west. So you always have some kind right. of good bearing. Well, that's uh, what I mean. Like I could have see those. You know. Right, but I think that's actually a really good analogy and a really good introduction to this episode, because this episode is talking about using yoga mindfulness awareness for everyday stressors, everyday life. And mm -hmm. what a simple, small analogy in your story that you shared just now to life. I mean, you took the chance to go out on an adventure. It took the chance to find a new path in life and it didn't go necessarily as planned. And there were twists and turns and you could see other people taking a straight route, a shortcut, one could call it, which wasn't as easy and wasn't going to give you the same results. And it could have even been perilous to your health. Uh, and then you wander through the twists and turns of life. A burrito truck shows up. I mean, thank God for that. And then you thank find God. your way home. I mean, thank God but, I saw but, a Starbucks on the horizon. <laughs> yeah, the guiding light. I mean, the the Bible has the 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 North Star or whatever it is that guides. My the North three Star is a mermaid. A mermaid tails or whatever. <laughs> on a white cup. So yeah, the only thing that would have beat it is a. Uh, a red bullseye because you know if inside the target oh, they all, oh yeah i mean i know where the target was if i wanted to really pretend i was lost i'd be like i don't know i just kept heading i just happened to take and... a, a right turn and i ended up at target um so well what's interesting about what you're saying is is that as i was walking and hitting these like oh great gps says i just turn left up there and i'm like this is a busy highway gps you know i could see i really did see myself literally and um what do you call figuratively. it uh figuratively thank you at a crossroads because i was like wow i could be frustrated right now because i was also physically uncomfortable right i was hot i was a little concerned about aurelia you know and I said, wow, I could actually get frustrated right now. I could see, I was literally towing this line of, I could be frustrated, worried. I did not mean to be out for three hours. I have things to do today. Or what if I sort of, I kind of imagine it as sitting back in my heels. To me, being reactive feels like I'm standing on the front of my balls of my feet, like over the edge, being, you know, more responsive and grounded feels like I'm a little bit weighted back on my heels. So it's like, what if I sat back on my heels and just said yes to this situation? First of all, the situation will not change regardless, but I got to actually enjoy the whole thing. Um, whereas if I felt a little anxiety or felt, you know, uh, frustrated of that it was not going as expected. Uh, again, the journey would be the same, but I would have literally actually wasted that time because I wouldn't have um, enjoyed myself or, you know. So even something so small as that mm -hmm. is why we practice yoga. Right. I mean, and you hit on something else that's super important that we'll talk on in a little bit about you chose to respond to the situation instead of reacting to the situation. And that's a really key designation uh, between the things. And I mean, it's absolutely right. I mean, how often do you get frustrated because you're working on a home project and you've got to make one extra trip to the garage because you forgot the tool or 
it's stupid stuff every day that just accumulates that you're like get so frustrated and then all of a sudden you're snapping at your loved ones or drinking an extra glass of whiskey at night just to put yourself to sleep when nothing really bad happened mm -hmm. like life life happened but yeah. one can argue that that walk was not bad i mean and this yeah. is uh, i guess this comes back to what we teach or what john kabat-zinn teaches about awareness which is paying attention in the present moment without judgment without judgment that's yeah you were missing the reason you pause is you met you missed on purpose he on was purpose. looking at me like what there's a oh my god i quoted him without double no. checking <laughs> <laughs> so right so on purpose paying where the present purpose without judgment and that's the key piece and so that walk in and of itself was neither good nor bad you get to choose mm -hmm. You can put your judgment on it, but it was neither good nor bad. Your response is actually what you get to choose. And so this is going to get really deep, really fast for a quote unquote non-scripted episode. But that's exactly why we teach yoga. And I think that's why you and I both get frustrated when somebody's like, oh, I can't touch my toes or I don't have a yoga body or I can't stretch. It's like, don't you just want to be do life better? Like, don't you just want to yeah. do today better and then people are like I don't even know I don't even know how that would uh, how those two things would come together and so I think that's why well, this is important is to start to talk about yoga for everyday life everyday stressors yeah and I would even say it differently than you know make today better I'd be like make today enjoyable I, I think to, you know we are trying to get through our days or you know whatever you want to call it instead of you know, the whole be here now thing is, you know, it's, it really is, um, you know, with yoga philosophy, and I know other philosophies too, nothing is inherently good or bad. And that brings up a lot of people's prickly pears. And I understand why. Um, well, what about cancer? What about war? What about this? What about that? It's still, it's just is what it is. And it's still the opinion that makes it good or bad. Okay. And um, that's, again, that is ancient philosophy. I'm not saying that, you know, uh, I or any human can go through life being that, uh, you know, neutral but it is something to kind of chew on and practice on so you can um, use and be part of every situation versus a life situation owning you and make you speaking of bitches, making it your little making life situation, making you its little bitch, you know, and I felt that way before that I was just being tossed around by life and I would wake up um, scared you know this is when i was going through a, a really challenging time when you and i first knew each other and i was having a hard time getting out of bed i was um you know just i was waking up almost frightened of what phone call i was gonna get or what was gonna happen and uh you know so imagine like being able to take every situation and notice it respond to it, learn from it, grow from it. And the only way we can do that in the moment, because in the moment is, you know, your emotions are getting to you and all that stuff. 
um, is if you train for it first. So then when the situation comes up, you have the tools and the awareness to apply those same concepts. So for me, for us, the yoga mat is the life training. We always try to make those, you know, metaphors or mirroring like, okay, you know, me in a a low plank position, sweating, hating it, that represents in the future, you're going to go on a three hour walk in 90 degree weather. And, you know, you're going to train yourself on the yoga mat, how you're going to respond off of the yoga mat. Are you flashing gang symbols during our podcast to me? No, wait, no, you're just showing me that you love me with that a heart with your hand. Like a yeah. heart. Yeah, but I think that's actually critically important when we start to talk about like applying yoga off the mat. And so one of the things that you taught me early on as an instructor uh, is that you learn more about people almost intimately by how they practice yoga. Because you're talking about how doing a high plank translates to how you're going to respond when shit gets hard in life, like the three hour walk. And high plank's a great example, actually, for those that don't understand high plank, it's basically a push up position. Uh, And we see people in high plank all the time, get frustrated with us as the yoga teachers, quite frankly, they stop breathing, they drop their head, they quit on themselves, quite frankly. They don't quit on us, they quit on themselves. And so when we know, what we learn there is that when things get hard, when they do get frustrated, they're going to give up on themselves. And this is where we say that like, in order to be a resilient person, you must train to be one. I mean, we are oftentimes the people that are getting through these jobs are resilient people because they keep showing up. We argue with yoga for first responders that the true definition of resilience is not just bouncing back, but actually having post-traumatic growth and growing from adversity. That's actually being resilient. It's not just coming back to that, to that status quo of where we were at before. And so we can train that mindset of what you're going to, how you're going to react, how you're going to respond when things get hard. So, and this is where in a previous episode, I said we kind of borderline border between self-help and coaching because when we notice that our students are in a high plank position or another hard position, we immediately start to coach them back into their mindset training and breathwork training so that when shit gets hard tomorrow, their body will fall back on proper three-part breathing, that diaphragmatic breath, and the mindset training to respond that this is a challenge, not a threat. And if we see things as challenges in life instead of threats, that's where post-traumatic growth comes in. And so we're no longer just bouncing back. We are truly becoming resilient people because we can proactively train resilience. We can proactively train mindset. We can proactively train how you're going to see the twists and turns of the three-hour walk before the burrito truck comes around. Like mm-hmm. that—that's the key. I mean, that's that—that's it. I mean, we talk about them oftentimes, but one of our dear friends who was just here uh, had a hell of a curve thrown at him during a road trip. We just found out today, and he responded back. He's like, "Yeah, there's a lot of uh, little miracles and there's little blessings in this," but he said, "I've done a lot of breath work over the last 24 hours." Mm-hmm. And that's the yoga training. That's yoga training for life is that falling back on the tools you're learning on the mat to apply off the mat. Absolutely. And I want to also kind of um, 
cl or clarify or, or narrow in this definition of not giving up, right? So you were saying just now, like with something challenging yeah. on the yoga mat, we see people quote unquote giving up. I want to clarify what that means because it does not mean muscling through. Right. And a lot of, you know, so yeah, a lot of folks maybe think of like, never give up. And they just imagine the person like, you know, running towards the end zone or like bleeding and still like doing, you know, going through the trenches, whatever. Um, but what we teach, so for example, in that high to low plank or where people are just going to like, what we mean by giving up is checking out. I'm, I'm leaving the yoga practice. I'm going to sit back on my heels. I'm disengaging, throwing my hands up. And that's when the internal dialogue starts. Right. But we talk about how to scale and adapt in order to stay in the game and stay regulated and stay locked in and stay at your highest level of performance possible. So if we go to the yoga mat, say we're in a high plank, low plank, whatever, and you're starting to lose the control of your breath, you're not staying in, in integrity with the alignment of your spine, something is painful, whatever the case may be, don't leave the yoga, lower your knees to the floor, take some of the pressure off the upper body if that's not the capacity you have today, and scale in different directions in order to successfully move through it. So how would this apply to, you know, my three hour walk today? Well, I'm starting to get hot, right? I am starting to, um, you know, and I actually, it's funny, speaking of giving up, which this necessarily wouldn't have been giving up, but I was like, should I call you and have you just come and get me, you know? But then I was like, let me, let me adapt and scale here. Okay. I know I'm going in the right direction. I'm going to walk a little bit slower, you know, so that I'm not like getting, you know, crazy hot. I've got the thing over her. I can change my mindset. That's another thing tool we use. I'm going to change this as the gift of getting to walk aimlessly and slowly with my daughter. How amazing is that? So I have these tools of how I can adapt and scale this experience in order to get through it, quote unquote, successfully, yeah. right? So just to be clear of not giving up does not mean muscling through. It means having the tools to adapt, adjust, scale, change your mindset, get regulated, get grounded. That's what we mean as the alternative to giving up. Yeah, because this is, goes to the crux too of what people think yoga is and what it is not. And it's not about the physical endurance of the postures. Right. Like if we yeah. remember the true intention of yoga is to have mastery over your mind, we're using the body and the physical as the tool to get to that point. And we argue that it's the best tool to get there, especially because, I mean, there's other ways where people say, well, I can train my mind doing CrossFit or whatever ish, I would argue, but your body will typically give out before your mind does at mm -hmm. some point. Your mind may want to continue going, but you literally can't throw 135 pounds over your head one more time. You just can't mm -hmm. physically cannot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you can stand there with your in a high plank, or excuse me, you can stand this up with your hands over your head, for example, for a hell of a long time. Mm -hmm. And your mind's going to quit long before your body can in that case. Mm -hmm. And so if we're actually training the mind. We're talking about getting the ego out of the way. So yes, walking slower, stop, taking that breath, 
evaluating the situation and responding Eva- yes. to it. I mean, right. that's course correcting yeah. as needed. Yeah. Course correcting. Right. The reaction to the moment of like, fuck this, I'm out, I'm calling Eric, I'm done. But mm-hmm. because you were able to have the awareness to, because you've trained in this, quite frankly, you had the ability to assess the situation, have the awareness of the situation, be like, I'm hot. I need to find something to drink. I need to make sure that Aurelia is not burning up. So you slowed down so you didn't overheat. You found a place to get some food and nourishment and water uh, along the walk. You checked and saw that she had a blanket over and she wasn't overheating and she was protected from the sun. Okay, I'm okay mm-hmm. to continue to move forward. That's right. not that's what we're training. And when I say giving up on ourselves, you're right. I'm actually talking about we move into reaction mode right. instead of response mode. And that's what, to me, when we're training what we're training, is the giving up on yourself. You're giving up on mm-hmm. yourself as soon as you react to the moment rather than right. responding with what's happening in the moment. And that's what it's so critical for public safety personnel is to know the difference between reacting to something and responding to something. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what mindfulness is, because without having, when you are practicing mindfulness, which don't confuse mindfulness for slow, okay, because everyone thinks, you know, it's not that, when you have the, um, an awareness around your intention and your actions, then you can notice things enough to be able to course correct, right? So the reaction, so in the past, before I really could adopt this, in the past, the reaction out of frustration or whatever would have been to call you bitch about what happened and get you to come get me. Now, of course, if there were imminent danger, you know, of Aurelia overheating or whatever, yes, of course I would have called you. But having mindfulness, I could assess the situation and not make a react an emotional reaction. Right. And I think, but even if, if there was imminent danger, to be aware of that mm-hmm. is also part of the processing of the moment, of being able to respond in the moment, because you're running through basically an internal checklist. Am I in immediate danger here? Yes or no? No? Great. Next, next checklist. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, there's a lot of research out there, uh, especially in the flow world from like uh, Stephen Kotler and the grandfather, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, that shows that if you can increase your self-awareness, that you can increase your situational awareness. And this mm-hmm. is that's something that you, and so you were situationally aware because you were self-aware in the moment right. of the walk. And I mean, I mean, we are dive into, yes, people, this is what we do. We dive deep into these seemingly non nothing moments of our lives, but you can do this too. Like you can look at these moments in your life and really start to dissect them and be like, okay, did I respond? Did I react? Did I use my awareness? Did I use my mindfulness? Did I fall back into breathing? And that's applying yoga off the, off the yoga mat. And so for first responders though, I mean, it's not, they can quickly see if I'm self-aware, I'm in a burning building, for example, former firefighter, if I'm self-aware of where my left hand is at, where my right foot's at, where my breath is at, am I breathing down my air pack way too fast? Things like that. If I'm aware of every single one of those things in my body, then I can actually start to open up my awareness around me and see like, oh shit, that beam above me is burning in a really bad way. This is about ready to collapse or read the smoke and this is about ready to flash. And you start to, it sounds crazy, but start to, tie into those spidey senses, those six senses, those oh, sure. things, those gut responses. That if you're not self-aware, you miss. And if you miss those things in a life and death situation, the outcome could it's, be death. 
I mean, well, and also not to confuse that with someone might say, oh yeah, well that's hyper vigilance, right? We know we have to have that. No, it's not hyper vigilance. Hyper vigilance is reactive. Hyper vigilance is not uh, possibly could not be uh, in alignment with the actual circumstances. You're responding from previous fears, previous memories, your animal part of you is trying to survive. So not making actual sense of the situation. It's not hyper vigilance. Um, being mindful, having self-awareness, having situational awareness is different from hyper vigilance. So it's being able. Yeah, that it's the exact opposite. Continue. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was done. I was just going to say that I think it's actually the exact opposite. If you can be self-aware and I have a friend that we work with, uh, He's, his network is called the Blue Guardian Network, and he was actually he uses his example of hypervigilance as actually a, a tool to start training self awareness, situational awareness. He's like, every cop will know. Like, if I say, "Hey, where do you sit in a restaurant? Where do they all sit?" In the back corner, oh, facing the facing well, the door, yeah, the, the door, yeah, yeah. And then and then he asks flat out. He's like, "Okay, how many times have you been in a restaurant?" And the bad guy walks in the front door. Right. Never. Okay, so you're actually doing anything. If you're sitting in the back corner across the restaurant and the bad guy walks in the front door and sees you, what are they going to probably do? Maybe, well, no, they're going to shoot you. Okay, oh, so they're going to shoot you. Okay, (laughs) you're going to interact with them. Like the reason. See, I was pretending I was the bad guy, which Mm -hmm. is, oh shit, I'm just going to leave. You know what? This is a bad idea. I don't think I want to be a bad guy anymore. Um, I'm just going (laughs) to totally redo my life. Anyway, sorry, I'm not. I cannot. You sit. You sit with your. You sit with your face towards the door. So in theory, and you can encounter the bad guy that walks through the door. But who's then between you and the bad guy? Yeah, Every exactly. single person in the entire restaurant. Yeah. So if you're truly being hyper vigilant instead of re- and truly being self re- reactive, you probably sit right next to the front door, ready to engage. Boom, let's go. Not right. across fueling- the room with your, with your back, so there's nobody right. that can get behind me, so I can see across the restaurant. I'm not a cop. I'm probably butchering this, but y'all are starting to see what we're talking about. Being self-aware and situationally aware is very different than being hyper-vigilant, which is a reaction. It's putting the state. energy in the wrong place. Oh, right. You know, and we, we see this, I observe this a lot in some people that I know and love and I'm close with <laughs> that um, um, just how they're living life and where they're putting their energy, right? We're, we're all responding in a different way to the same situation, you know, but where are you uh, really burning fuel? Just like you said, God, we could make this parallel of, you know, breathing down your air pack. It's like, where are you putting that energy that is not helping you? And again, I don't expect people to do this in the moment. In the heat of the moment, you fall back on how you've been trained. And no, you know, and so that's why it must, you must be trained uh, to do these things. And you know what? Speaking of training, do you know what I noticed about you and me? Uh-oh. <laughs> Is you <laughs> bring it. Let's go. The training that you and I have done as folks who are passionate about this work and talk about this stuff a lot is one of the purposes of this episode, which we have of we're avoiding, is we had someone recently ask us, what's going on with you? Like what's going on in your life? How have you personally applied these things to your own current 
like life stressors. And I did talk about my three hour walk today, but I also noticed you and I are diving in again to science and yoga philosophy and this and kind of um, avoiding talking about our own life, which is what the request was. I mean, it has to do exactly with what we're saying, yeah. but um, I know you and I tend to, well, cause we just, love this kind of stuff so we kind of keep circling back to it but you know someone did say like i'd love to to be connected with what's happening with you and how you're you personally you both are personally applying everything that you're saying so yes three hour walk (laughs) funny nothing was really that bad but we have over the last nine months have been dealing with chronic or like you know cumulative stressors totally and i'm shocked and impressed that we're as grounded and regulated as we are because if i i feel if we didn't have the tools we have um we would not be in a great place right now not i'm not even saying necessarily as a couple i mean just like as people yeah as people no totally i mean for not without getting into details too far. I mean, we've been living in a situation where we've had two mortgage payments uh, because we were going to try to sell a house, didn't sell when we thought it was going to. So we're making double mortgage payments. Uh, I'm working full-time job. We have, in addition to YFFR work, you're working YFFR. We have a candle company. We're working to launch yet another another third business, uh, which most people think is nuts. And so that's just from the work standpoint. And then prior to moving into a house you're supposed to move into, two weeks before that, we have a baby. I was going to say, we need to, let's, we need to, I know you said you don't want to go into detail, but I think, you know, I love storytelling. So I literally, we need to take it back. All right. Please take it back. Picture this Castle Rock, December okay. 2022. Can we, like, can we put, I feel like we need to put like very like, gentle music on the background for no story i was time. doing story time with Asia. i was trying to do um uh sophia from uh when she says sicily sophia from the golden girls Ugh, hey. you're not gay no <laughs> <laughs> well since i was talking about florida how homes in the 90s <laughs> the um, golden girls were stuck the in golden head. girls definitely had a florida home which do you um, know but, i think we're essentially the same age as the golden girls were supposed to be i know we're not even supposed to be they were like they were our yeah. age when that show was recorded like yeah we need to... for a minute. <laughs> i may be like 50 okay. maybe 50, but still they were really presented as grandma anyway okay so she says like picture this or maybe it's uh was it, or maybe it was Rose talking about St. Olaf, St. Olaf. Anyway, regardless, it is December, 2022. I'm due on January 1st, 2023. Um, we are trying to figure out how we are going to actually close on a home that we're building because of high interest rates now based on you know, that changed since we had went under contract, we're not getting our current house sold, right? That's a stressor in and of itself. Um, I will say one thing I want to shout out to you is you brought the awareness to me, you know, listen, if there's one time that throw everything out the window of anything you've ever practiced in your life in terms of mindfulness and groundedness, it's when you're pregnant. Because (laughs) everything I'm like, I don't remember any of this shit. Everything sucks. So I, and I'm going to lose my mind. Heightened heightened everything. Yeah. 
So I was just like kind of freaking out about the house situation. I didn't even know it yet, but I had preeclampsia. So I was on the couch. I like felt terrible. And Eric, you said to me, what if we just let go of the house? What I mean, yeah, we'll lose our earnest money, but like, but think of everything we'll, we're going to gain, right? Think of, you know, we're going to have this house. We'll have enough money to, to finish the basement. We'll have this. And all of a sudden I felt, which is my personal, like, I, I guess there's, I do these things. This is a tip I can give everyone. I do a little anchor or reminder that gets me back in my practice and my training, right? Maybe it's a phrase you say to yourself, or maybe it's a three-part breath that kind of gets you back there. Mm -hmm. What I do is I kind of imagine this free fall surrender backwards. And it's me like, just to like a bed of feathers. Not even just like, Hey, let that, let it happen. Well, instead of trying to control, right. Ah, control what you can control. Yeah. Just let go. Just let go. And so as soon as you said that, I felt such peace and I was like, oh my God, it's going to. So turns out we actually, we had a lender that pulled some strings and magic and we got into that new build <laughs> without having sold our first house. I'm, la I'm laughing because it's like, we were doing like bye-bye, sell, sell in the hospital as you're dealing with preeclampsia oh. going through labor. Like we're getting phone calls so like, I was able to pull this off. You're going to close in two weeks. Awesome. I'm like in labor. So I'm sitting, well, I remember before I went to the hospital, I'm sitting in bed with my feet up. I was so swollen. Our realtor gets in bed with me so we can all call the lender together because I couldn't get out of bed. So we're calling the lender and I'm like, okay, you know, so I guess we're closing on, because I thought I was going to get induced in a couple of weeks. I was like, oh, I guess we're going to, um, you know, be closing. I have to give you power of attorney because I'm going to be in labor, not knowing that later that day I would go be going to the hospital. Right. Okay. So I go have the baby on December 2nd and two weeks later we're closing on this house. Now we've got two mortgages. Okay. The first house we moved out of for sale, by the way, it's still for sale. Um, <laughs> but we're hoping it sells. So our mortgage folks is huge. Okay. It's, it's more than we were making in a month. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, so not great. We basically ran our accounts to zero. We were like, okay. Um, and so that was happening. And uh, then we decided to put the current house for sale as well, which by the way, was always the plan because it was an investment property but we're like, okay, now is the time to do it because one of these houses have to sell. Well, guess what? They both sell. They both go under contract at the same time, the same fucking week. We have no place to live. And my parents say, we'll just come and like stay with us for a while. So we're like, great, yeah. great, great. And oh, by the way, from the time our house we're living in sells, like we go under contract on a Saturday. They want to take ownership of it a week from Friday, 13 yeah. days later. So we get told you've got 13 days to be out of your house. And oh, by the way, your other house is sold. So you're going to be homeless within 13 days. Ready to go. And, and we have a baby. Like it's not just us anymore, you know? So, um, yeah. And you, so missed the, and you missed a really key step of what happened just a couple months before that. Oh, I'm going to get to that. Don't worry. Right. Yeah. This, I'm just staying with the real estate part first. 
<laughs> there's more, folks. There's oh, more. Wait. There's more. We're, we're take another shot of Jack. There's another whole other section to this. So um, my parents say, like, just come. Like, we were trying to find a place to rent. And my parents were like, just come and stay with us. They have two extra bedrooms. And just stay with us temporarily. And we're like, okay. Then the first house, the sale falls through. We had signed our paperwork. They decided not to to sign theirs. So we did keep their earnest money, but now we still have that mortgage payment. The house we're currently living in does go through. Everything's great until I look at our bank account and we were assuming we'd be receiving uh, upward of $80,000 because of the sale of both these houses. One sale didn't go through and I see $15,000 line in my bank account which is the correct number, but because of a calculation mistake, we were told something else. So we expected to pay off all our IVF. We expected to be in such a good place financially and it barely made a dent on anything. Okay. And now I'm 41 years old living with my parents again. So that's cool. Um, so that God, they're grateful. We're grateful. They gave us a place. We are very, very grateful, but just (laughs) everyone I can sure, I'm sure everyone knows all the layers that is part of, of that. Um, so, you know, living with parents, whatever on top of all of this, I have a baby. Okay. So that's, well, yeah, I had a baby, Eric. I had your baby. Thanks <laughs> yeah, for catch up. Good thing you're sharing the story. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, his parents, my parents, we have all in-laws living with us for a few weeks to help us with the baby. Very grateful for their help. But being postpartum, being new parents, it's also very stressful to have those people there. So I have a new baby and everything that comes with that. And then at the end of March, my familiar, uh, my dog of 15 years, who has been by my side, um, I don't even know myself without her, uh, transitioned to heaven. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm still really, really upset about it. Yeah, I mean, Abby, everybody knows Abby. Literally, everybody in the world knows Abby. Uh, every TikTok video we posted of Abby got about a million and a half views. Uh, <laughs> she, had, she had a little wheelchair. She had a little wheelchair at the very, very end. Uh, but that was, I, for anybody who's had a dog, like, especially, I've learned that, especially for women, like this was her life's dog. Like she got as a, as a single person living in Vegas through relationships, through two marriages, marriage, divorce, single marriage, having a baby like this dog, like it's your, it's, it's your life's dog. And so the emotions are real. The emotions are extremely real because this one can easily argue that Abby is one of the, if not the longest day in day out consistent relationship of your life. Cause you left home at 14 for 14. boarding school. Yeah. And so we're now making up time living with your parents again on the back end. But <laughs> <laughs> up to that point, I mean, 14 years with 
and let's be honest, folks. I mean, Aurelia has no clue who we are. <laughs> she's starting to learn that we're mom and dad, but she's a year in at this point. <laughs> we're closing in on it. Uh, and so that transition out, and we were talking about it before, the transition in of Aurelia and the transition out of Abby. I mean, we could read the tea leaves. The two of those things were going to happen in the, similar, together, in, the yeah. similar, in the in the longevity of life. They were going to happen on damn near the same day for all yeah. intents and purposes, even though there's three months difference or four months difference between transition in and transition out from zero to 80 years old. That's the same day for all intents and purposes is literally the same. It's the same day, not literally, but yeah. And you said long before, as you're pregnant, as we're coming up into this moment, you're like, both of these are big enough things. I don't know how I'm going to literally be able to breathe having a child. And yep. I don't know how I'm literally going to be able to breathe losing Abby. Right. With these two big events, I couldn't see past them. I could not, I could not actually see myself being able to continue to breathe after these two huge events that were about to happen in my life. And then you layer on the real estate deals, which we chose. We fully understand that, but they didn't quite work out in any capacity the way that we had projected. And I think that's going to resonate with a lot of people as they're like, yeah, life doesn't work out the way we hoped it would or that we thought it would. And so that's where this training becomes life training. It's You just started these stories by saying we wouldn't be where we're at today, grounded, aware, strong together as a relationship together without mm -hmm. the tools of our training mm -hmm. of being able to have the awareness of being able to ground ourselves in the present moment to be able to be in this moment and looking around and be like oh my god it seems like the world is on fire around us but in this particular moment in this particular room we're safe we're okay and i can and I was breath beyond safe and beyond okay, I experience joy and gratitude every day. And it's not, um, it's not uh, made up or what's the word I'm looking for. It's not, uh, oh, it's, it's authentic. It's not um, plastic or, or I don't know the word I'm looking for, but um, you know, it's not putting on a face or putting on like, I feel gr I'm grateful. I'm going to sit here, you know, no, honestly, without even trying, I'm, I'm able to find joy. I'm able to find gratitude. And the reason I feel, I would even say good, <laughs> you know, we've still got our debt guys. Like I'm, I want to be transparent about this stuff because every, I think people who are listening and everyone are, probably feel some shame about something in their life, whether it's debt, um, how they treated someone, where they are in their career. And to, to be transparent, to say enough that, that that's happening with us too. But I've been practicing awareness and mindfulness for so long that I am I have this ability now to rise above it and mm -hmm. watch it happening. So I'm staying constant in joy and gratitude and watching all these things happen underneath. Now I'm human. So I dip down into it. Like the, where it really hit rock bottom for me was um, we had to drop the keys off after closing to our old house, by the way that we had built and we had designed yep. uh, the inside stuff. So it really felt like our house because it was, um, 
And by the way, the car that I'm manifesting and that I want to be my next car is a Jeep Grand Cherokee. Okay. So, uh, which is critical uh, to the story. It is critical to the story. I'm going to tell you why. So we're like, okay, we have to drop, you know, drop the keys off. I had just found out that we were making only $15,000 instead of 40 from this deal. That was like a, a real kick in the stomach. Again, I'm not placing blame. We didn't look at the contract close enough, whatever, but that was it. So we're kind of quiet in the car, pull up, and I go, we go to put the, the keys inside and the new owners have a Jeep Grand Cherokee in the driveway. Now I'm 41. I just got rid of my house, my big, beautiful, expensive house which I thought was going to be worth it because I thought we were going to have a good chunk of money. And now we don't even have that. The new people, not only do they have my house, they have my car. And now we're going back to our, my parents' basement. I felt like such a loser. And um, there's a lot of times that something hadn't worked out or whatever. And I feel that that's one of those trigger words for me is loser, you know, loser, bad, terrible, you failed. And I, I felt that I didn't feel like I had to push myself out of it. Okay. Let me feel this. But I was also, again, not consciously. Okay. You have to understand guys, this happened automatically because of my practice. I didn't have to force it. I started to, after a good night's sleep, I started to float above it. I started to watch the situation. I started to course correct a few things, including my mindset. And guys, I'm, it's fine. Everything is more than fine. It's a rich life. And, you know, on the yoga mat, especially nowadays, you know, inversions were always hard for me. And I had a torn hamstring from my career. So doing all the big yoga tricks weren't, I mean, I did some, but they weren't comfortable. They weren't all. And, and even now it's not even in my capacity at the moment, just being postpartum and all that stuff. And I have a rich, rich yoga practice because it's not about being upside down. It's about standing still and breathing and watching yourself. And because I practiced that so much, it happened automatically when I really, really needed it. And isn't that what we'd say is that you always fall back to your highest level of training? Mm -hmm. You fall back to training. You don't rise above it. And no, so you, you don't put, rise to occasion. You, you fall you back. Put, yeah. yeah, you put those 10 years of practice in place. And yeah, leaving the house, like... We've, you and I have moved and bought and sold plenty of places in our relationship. We, what did we figure out? This was our ninth move, eighth I think. Move. Eighth move together in five years. So at this point, this is nothing I, nothing out of normal, nothing out of the ordinary. Yeah. And yet this house, walking away from this house that we were in, I cried from it. I cried yeah. before you did, honestly. And what i really appreciate about what we do and where we're at together is that is because we are aware of those feelings it's never 
man up, don't cry, move on. You shouldn't feel this way. Because right. feeling those emotions, shedding those tears is part of processing through it. Oh, it's that's our, why we do it. Yeah, that's yeah, why the nervous yeah. system cries. And our society, especially for men in public safety and for women, it's that don't cry, man up. You, you signed up for this. We could literally say that to ourselves for every single step along this journey that we were on. And yet, I still felt sad. I still cried because we did build that house. There was a lot of things that I really liked about that house. And yes, well, very, very grateful about having a place to land, a roof over our head, warm meals to eat. It didn't quite work out the way we hoped it would. And I was sad about that. I was sad about leaving. There were things that I put into that house. I was excited to finally have an office to call my own. I haven't had one of those since I left the fire department, quite frankly. And you'll notice that my office is back into being a basement. Mm-hmm. Um, the kitchen, I loved cooking in the kitchen. Yes, insert firefighter jokes here that the firefighter loves to cook. Uh, on the gas the, stove. On the gas stove. Um I had built, my dad and I had built memories building the candle factory in the garage for our other business. Uh, And so there's a lot of memories and it was built out for how we were going to lead our lives. I mean, and so what I really, really like about how we coach each other, we even coach each other through things like this, folks. Like Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we do, we are human. We are feeling these things. As you say, yeah. It sucks. I understand that this makes you sad. Like you have these memories. That's all valid. Feel it. Feel that emotion. Don't run from it. Don't hide from it. Feel that. Cry from it. Acknowledge it. And if you work through those, because you do have the training in the situational awareness, the self-awareness, the tools to ground, the tools to anchor, the tools to change your physiology, you can sit in that emotion without it taking you on a downward spiral. Mm-hmm. which is also important because we know that if we feel those emotions, process those emotions, we have the tools to b- keep us back up to baseline or bring us back up to baseline. And then eventually it's going to go back above baseline because like you said, now we're able to feel the joy of mm-hmm. being in a very intimate space with each other, with our daughter. We have found out that the big, beautiful home is just literally a shell of our emotions and memories because now we're starting to build those shells and emories and emotions in two rooms, not a house, a, mm-hmm. bed- a bedroom in a bedroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, folks, there's a couch behind her, but that is a bedroom that we've turned into a sitting room uh, <laughs> for the moment. Well, I'm, uh, I'm actually, I think that's also why I'm pretty like kind of joyful is we have like design on a dime, baby. We have really figured out how to make this space you know high vibration so yeah yeah and it's because of the awareness and the shift of perception okay right this was a big this was a threat i mean these have all been big threats to our i wouldn't say lives our financial lives for sure well our livelihood our our money our it all goes back to survival right and so we were able to feel those feelings, feel those emotions, and yet shift to, okay, this is a challenge. Let us rise to the challenge. Let us grow right. from the challenge and figure out like the threads we can pull and learn from from the moment. And that's two for me is because of, I've only been practicing yoga at this point in my life, literally introduced to it six years ago. So 
not nearly as long as you who's done it from a, as a child on up six years, but there's been other practices and thought patterns and beliefs and the growth mindset that have really been instilled in me over the years. But it's because of all of that work and continuing to study it day in and day out with daily reminders and quite frankly, a coach by my side, you mm-hmm. and other people in our network that we're able to fall back on those because this stuff is a daily practice. Yeah. It's yep. a daily practice because we both know that when we don't do our yoga, when we don't do our breath work, if we don't do look at the pendants that we wear to give us those continuous anchor phrases, those continuous reminders of what we do, we can both dip into the cesspool of it all, into that soup of it all, which like, I really like that analogy with the awareness is you can almost it's not dissociation because you're actually more more associated yeah, with yourself. Yeah, more in it than ever, yeah. In the soup of it, but you're almost mm-hmm. looking at it from that observer standpoint rather than yeah. being tossed about by the waves and being rocked back and forth by life and that kind of stuff. You almost become the rock in the ocean instead and you can see like, okay, no, I'm still grounded. I'm still steady. Life is tossing all around us, but we can still find joy, peace, happiness, love gratitude yeah in that chaos and that's important do you know what analogy i just thought of first of all i want to not forget about say, to say something about changing my mindset and yeah. why cds are important and stuff so pin that put that in a little bubble but this uh, this metaphor or analogy i just thought of when you were describing this and this probably comes from my performing background when a director is directing and setting a play right um they're sitting in the audience, they're watching things play out. And, and if you've ever watched a, a play as well, like something happens and you are affected, right? Even the director is probably seeing it, a beautiful scene and starts to cry about it, you know? So they're watching something that's not even part of their life and they get emotional. So mm-hmm. that's okay. Emotions are fine. Emotions do not mean you're out of control, right? But then also the director sees, oh, that's that's not going to work. Okay, stop, stop. We can't have you walk this way because da-da-da-da-da, so we're going to redirect you. You're the director of your own life. Yeah. So you're watching things play out, and do you get emotionally affected by them? Yes, and should you? Yes, right? You're, you're invested in it. But with mindfulness, you take yourself off of the stage and you put yourself in the director's seat and you can make course corrections and changes based on, you know, I was doing a show and this we they had these banners in the, sh- in like as part of the set dressing stuff. And we were all on our marks. This was during tech rehearsal and they had put a banner down. So it was standing, it was like right in front of someone's face and we all, we were kind of laughing about it and like, oh, should I? The, and we said, the director will see it. You won't be standing <laughs> behind the fucking banner. Like, the really? yeah. So, like, you know, the director's like, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. We got to move that banner and bring her out. Like, the director will see it. Don't panic. We also, just a side note, we also used to joke on stage because tech rehearsals take forever. So, and you're, it's like late at night. So you're punchy and, 
we also we would joke. I would sit with like my friend, my friend Austin or something, and we'd be on stage for tech rehearsal, and we'd be pretending we were the director. We were like, um, Austin. So say we're we're on stage left by the, uh, you know, oh my god, I forgot all my the curtains, the wings, the wings. The wings. Oh the my wings. god, yeah, by a wing, and be like, Austin, can you take a few steps to your left? Great, yeah, a little bit more. Yeah, a little bit more. Can you kind of go so it's like, yep, 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 right? And all of a sudden, we're in the wings. <laughs> like, like off, for those who yeah. don't know, that'd be like off stage, right? Off stage. Like, nobody we can were, see you. We were joking that like the director was just taking us out of the scene. Um, you don't look good here. Step yeah, can left. you just exit stage left? Um, anyway, so what I was going to say before too about changing mindset is um, with this challenge of we've just encountered in the last six months of challenges or nine months of challenges. I've actually changed my mindset. I did a mindset reset, new mental framing around it as an opportunity to show off the skills I've been training. So I've been training in mindfulness, in self-worth, in actions of self, all this stuff. Wow. I just got on a silver bladder a lush opportunity to practice everything I've been learning. And the reason I think it's important to mention mindset and how critical it is, is the practice of cognitive declarations, which is our version of affirmations basically is just mindset reset training is it gets a lot of eye rolls sometimes and people don't understand it, this or that. And I'm not saying that, you know, uh, when you go off the yoga mat, you you may or may not. Sometimes I have repeated phrases in my head if I really, really, you know, needed that anchor. But the practice of doing it on the yoga mat really instills that concept in you. So then I knew how and that it was important to change my mindset around this situation because, you know, honestly, as an adult, like moving back in with your parents feels threat, feels scary. But I mindset reset it as a challenge, a challenge of being able to have a loving relationship and um, use it as an opportunity. So the only reason I knew I even had the power to change my mindset was because of the cognitive declaration. So if you're feeling weird about it, know that the real life application is uh, extremely uh, important, critical. Yeah, no, it's critical to train it before you need it. Uh, right. And you said some, you just said something that you were your shift of mindset that you're adopting in this moment is to prove to yourself and others that the tools you've trained for your life work that, mm -hmm. that is that critical to your survival and it actually made me think of a uh, a seneca quote a stoic philosopher quote those if you don't know me by now uh big into stoic philosophy uh and so the quote is no person is more unhappy than one who never faces adversity mm -hmm. for they are not permitted to prove themselves mm. i think i need to print that out and like put it in a frame. But that's exactly what you just said. It was your chance without having gone through this 
like what a better tool do you have now you can speak from your heart and be like this is the shit that we went through this is the cesspool of life that we went through public safety you see you deal with this stu stuff trauma every day we say that first responders see more trauma loss death destruction in one shift than most people see in their entire lives like that is your adversity and you need a tool to train so that when you do go through adversity you can prove that the training works and that's the proactive mindset resiliency training that we work on and we hate the word resilience i sorry i'm using it so much <laughs> we could talk about that another day but it's being able to show up and survive and not just survive but thrive and grow and I mean, I'm super excited for what the future brings and holds for us. Like this moment in life is super cool. Like we're learning so much about ourselves, our family in the moment. We often talk about uh, Aurelia and be like, you know, she's actually, while Olivia and I coach each other, Aurelia, we look at her as our coach because she's yeah. hyper present. She's super aware and hyper present. Like the, she doesn't care. <laughs> she doesn't care. Like as long as she's got her bottle, She's fine until she does until she's not hungry anymore. And she wants that thing out of her face. Like, right. She she's wants, like, what's next? I'm done with eating. Yeah. And she's like, okay, I'm sleepy. And then I'll go take a nap. Okay, great. And I'm done with that. And then I cry. And then, so like, it's <laughs> fascinating, but it's fascinating watching a nine month old deal with life. Cause to her being hungry is a life and death situation. She doesn't know any different, which is why she screams at the top of her lungs. And as soon yeah. as she has that food, she doesn't dwell on it. She doesn't think no, and she yet. doesn't blame others. Right. I mean, it's just, it's fascinating to watch and learn these tools. And this is, this is probably a, really, a, a key piece. What we're teaching for people on the yoga mat is clearly innate within humans. Mm -hmm. Because a nine-month-old child is already practicing all of these. Oh, yeah. We're just yep. literally bringing you back to that awareness that this is a tool you already once upon a time had. We're not mm -hmm. changing anything about you. We're actually just reconnecting those neural pathways in your brain to show you that once upon a time in your life on this earth, you had all of these tools. I mean, we, we talk about even breathwork patterning, the physiological side. You can watch when she is super activated, crying very hard. She's in a strong sympathetic nervous system response she does the parasympathetic side that Huberman talks about. So yeah. that is even a tool that we're just re-educating that you already had. And that's why I think what we do is super cool for public safety, but humans in general, like humans in general, we're just reminding you of the tools that you already had, which then is mm -hmm. I think why it bothers us when people do be like, oh, I don't have a yoga body or yoga toes. No, man, but and once upon a time you knew how to thrive in life you did yeah. and it's yeah. our job we want to show you that path again yeah that's well said and you know the one of the women that i follow for part of my life coaching lacey phillips she says you know we are born with everything we need and then there's years of pain shame and programming that is put on us and we lose that connection and so the yoga practice is taking those layers off and coming back to what you do inherently have. And I think that's why people really do enjoy yoga and call it life changing and this and that is because it's not because of the yoga, it's you. 
it's because you found you and you realized the power that you have yourself. Um, and yeah, it's reclaiming your own power. And so where I felt briefly like a loser or powerless or whatever, I've got all the power, you know, um, it just depends on how I respond to every situation. Um, so that's the update with us. <laughs> Quick life update. Um, and we will have uh, more to share. We'll update everyone as, oh, by the way, for anyone who's thinking logistically out there and they're like, why don't they just move into the house they already have that fell through with the contract? It's because no. we're going to sell it and we don't want to have to move into it. And then hopefully it sells soon and we have to move out of it. So and then maybe we'll rent it. So that's why everyone. Also, I want to circle back to your mic drop monologue you just had. Pretty sure you said it pisses us off when someone says, oh, I don't have a yoga body. I don't have a yoga toes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what you said. And I just was like, I wonder, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say they don't have yoga toes. But I mean, I'm with you. I'm tracking. Yes. <laughs> well, I think that actually is true. It is true because people are so like not wanting to take their socks off all the time in yoga. So maybe they do I feel like they don't have. Maybe that's, maybe that's why I claimed it. They called it out. They, they don't want to take their socks and shoes off because they think that's what we're going to be judging. Like, come yeah, it's like, <laughs> the thing that I will be As judging. you can see, we're not judging you because we got our own shit going on okay everyone you think i'm judging you i'm worried about how i'm gonna pay my mortgage okay well, and you can judge me for saying this fucking idiot said yoga toes like <laughs> I, don't I don't care i'm not gonna lose a second of sleep over it so and this is out for the world to see all seven billion people can hear me mess up folks go you live didn't life. honey you did go not live life. Mess up. i thought yoga toes was cute <laughs> go live life step off take the three-hour walk adventure who cares at the end of the day it doesn't matter. Like, go live your best life. Go say yoga toes. God damn it. That's our next t-shirt. I don't I have yoga gonna toes. I was going to say, we're going to make it. Yeah, I don't have yoga toes. I can't practice yoga because I don't have yoga toes. <laughs> like, you don't have toes? No, I have toes. Just I don't have yoga toes. Right. <laughs> well, listen, on that note, we have got a baby girl out there that is probably would love to see her parents. Um, and I just want to remind everyone that you cannot control what happens on the outside. You cannot control that someone, you know, decided to not buy your house. You cannot uh, control when your dog passes away. I mean, somewhat you can control that, but the point is outside things you cannot control, but you can always control what happens on the inside. So you get to choose how you respond to it and therefore how you react to it. And yeah. that is what we're teaching on the yoga mat and why it applies directly to your life off the yoga mat. We'll see you next time. Hey, before we go, I want to remind you that training your mental and physical health is incredibly important, especially for those working in high stress jobs like first responders. And if you're interested in learning more about yoga for first responders, visit yogaforfirstresponders.org for our on-demand training app online course platform, in-person training, and more. Like this podcast, subscribe, and give us a great review. We are so happy to have you part of the YFFR mission.